Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thanks for tuning in today. I got Kiki Bus with me. She is a teacher of the Wim Hof Method. For those who don't know what that is, that is a breathing technique and then giving you the possibility to actually swim in ice or stay in ice a lot. She has some crazy videos out there of her swimming in extremely, extremely cold water, but uh, I'll leave that up for later. She's also a motivational speaker and has an extremely powerful story about how to go through trauma and getting out on the other side. And then she's a super fun person. So uh, this is going to be one of those interviews where you're going to have uh, hearing a lot of laughs. So Kiki, thank you so much for uh, for joining today. Thank you so much for having me, man. So it's Kiki, I already had a short talk with you a little bit earlier, and uh, I can feel this is going to be uh, fun to uh, to talk. So how did you get into all of this cold exposure, motivational speaking, traveling around the world, coaching people, and so on? Well, I think first of all, because it's my passion. Mm. And because I just love what I'm doing so much. And I really do feel like that is attracting so much of this positive, yeah, positivity towards me. But I think how I really got into into the whole the whole story, it's well, I started traveling first and foremost. When I was 20 years old, I had some uh, issues at home and at university. So I decided to take a three month break to go to Peru and Bolivia and travel there. That kind of turned into three years, which kind of turned into five years, uh, which is kind of an ongoing process right now. So I started traveling and actually really redefining myself. I was in a very weird relationship beforehand that kind of left me questioning what my type of thinking was and what actually was put on me by this other person. So I just left to totally start to redefine myself. And on that journey of traveling, I found free diving. That was the first thing that really struck me. And I remember after my first day of free diving, I wrote something on my Facebook and I was like, it's so seldomly that you just find something that you know is going to change your life. And in that moment, on the first day, I just knew that I found something that called me so badly that I could, I didn't even have a, an option anymore. This was something that I needed to do in order to, to be me. So yeah, I went home and my parents thought like this was after eight months of traveling. My parents thought like, oh, she's finally home. But within two weeks, I bought my ticket to go to Thailand to, to train free diving there. So that's kind of where the story has both a middle and another beginning because when I was in Thailand, I was working there for four or five months, but then I got raped by one of my colleagues and that kind of, it happens. (laughs) But yeah, it's um, something that then kind of started its own story because in the first few moments, I just didn't really know how to handle that situation. Uh, Because he was my colleague, I was also very confused because this was a person that I've been working with for a few months and I trusted him and we became just friendly. But then 
one night I got really, really sick. I had, yeah, an infection in my stomach. So I went to the hospital. I got some checkup there, got some painkillers and all of that. And even though I was living on a small island, PP Island, I was still living as far from the hospital as was physically possible. So my colleague who lived next to the hospital just said, you can come stay with me for the night. And then just when you're feeling a bit better in the morning, you can go home, rest and recover there. I went with him and yeah, that's when he, he assaulted me, abused me. And because I was sick, because I was on medication, there was almost nothing I could do physically to to stop this stronger and bigger men. And the only thing I said was no. And then his answer was, this is not your choice. So I, th I think now I just remember being so confused when I woke up and I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't report him. I didn't say anything to my colleagues. I was just confused. But then a week or two weeks after me, he raped another girl. And that's when it really hit me that me not acting had a very big consequence for another person. And that's kind of when, for me, the real trauma hit me because mm. I couldn't forgive myself for making that mistake. I couldn't forgive myself for doing nothing in the mouth of trauma. I just, I was struggling with that so much because I was like, this is so fundamentally not who I am, but I did do it. And it did have a massive impact on another life. And in the meantime, I kind of like a month passed and I moved to Australia. And I think removing myself out of the island, out of the scene, really gave me actual time to process things uh, because for the first few weeks afterwards, I think I was just on autopilot. I wasn't even thinking about it too much. I was just trying to be happy, living this, this happy lifestyle on an island that we all kind of dream of. But then when I was in Australia, I started having really bad nightmares, massive panic attacks, just overall anxiety and because of the nightmares, I wasn't really sleeping anymore because every time I went to bed, I just kind of saw this image of another person in my memory. And because of that, I just didn't sleep anymore. And I think from not sleeping, as you know, as biohackers, sleep is very important. And I can tell you, when you stop sleeping, you spiral down really, really quickly. Mm. So yeah, that's that's kind of what happened to me. And I found myself in this massive depression, leaning to suicidal, questioning my position in life. And I was in that state for a while when I all of a sudden stumbled upon this video of Wim Hof. And that's where another story starts, because I saw this video and in his video, he says, oh, try my method to become happy, healthy and strong. And I was like, I wanted nothing more than that. Mm. I wanted to gain all of that. I wanted to be happy. I wanted to regain back my health and to feel strong again in my mind and within my body. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, let's just try this. I didn't really think much about it. I didn't really expect it to do much for me, but it was just like, you know, whatever 
just give it a try. And I vividly remember getting into into the cold water for the first time. And in that moment, it was the first time in months that my mind just kind of shut off, that I wasn't ruminating about the past, about mistakes I made, things I did or didn't do. I found a moment wherein I could just be, a moment of mindfulness, a moment of meditation, a moment of just being in a present moment. And I was so living in the past and so afraid of the future that the presence stopped existing for me. So the cold water helped me find back that present moment. And that became something I held on to with dear life because I didn't know what else to do. So we went back to the cold over and over again, kind of redefining myself as we go. So yeah, that's part of the story. <laughs> and a powerful, really sorry to hear about your experience. That's awful and it's awful how it happens to so many women around the world. And especially the guilt part, because the three kind of responses, the, the, the flight, the, the fight, and then there's the freeze that most people don't talk about, which happens in most of the occasions that people kind of freeze to survive and kind of try to be somewhere else while that happens. And way too often that leaves the person with some kind of guilt, which is not a guilt that they should have. And it also happens so often that it's someone that they actually know, which makes it even harder. Awful thing and glad to see how you came out of it and also see how you can use this as a positive force now to, to help other people because once you get closer to people, you'll figure out how many women actually been exposed to these kind of experiences but, but feel guilty to talk about it and feel like they had a part of it even though they didn't, which is such a such an awful thing and that can be much harder than... Yeah, the guilt feeling that can almost be harder than the experience because... So it's great to see how you're coming out of things, inspiring a lot of people to really respect it and see how you, you're forced for something positive. Yeah, well, thank you. And I think that's kind of the most important thing of it. Like for me, I would say 90% of the trauma was the guilt. The abuse itself, I was like, okay, it's, it's a very shitty and difficult situation, but I kind of knew how to handle that. But the guilt part for me was so, so new and so fundamentally not what I wanted myself to be that I think, yeah, indeed, that was the most part. And like coming back to what you said right now, I'm so grateful that this happened to me because I wouldn't be the person I am today if that didn't happen. I wouldn't have had the realizations that I had, the thought processes. That being said, of course, I don't wish this upon anybody, but there was so much growth personally that he had just because of this experience that right now I'm in a state where I can feel gratitude for this experience and for, yeah, all the things that happened afterwards. And I think as well, what, I mean, coming back to the cold and stuff, when, when I started to get into the ice bath, it, or into cold water in general, often it was so-called ocean water, but it really helped me kind of redefine myself from scratch, from being this person that I just was feeling very guilty and I didn't know how to identify myself to then kind of redefining my own limits, both physically and mentally. And that has been, I think, yeah, the power of the cold and for me, the power of the Wim Hof method in general, that through these experiences, I always say, the cold or the ice bath is a very big mirror. It's the mirror of 
what you just said, like fight, flies, freeze, how you react in an ice bath. Are you trying to like, do you tense up? And are you trying to fight this force of nature? Are you just kind of zoning it out? Are you freezing? Or are you just stepping in and then only thinking on how badly you want to get out? And these experiences in the cold are such a big mirror for life and how you react and interact with people in your daily life. How do you, how does your body physiologically respond if you get that nasty email or if you meet somebody in, on the street that you don't want to meet or have the difficult phone call to make or even just hearing really bad news from a doctor or something happened to a family member. We all have these stresses constantly in, in our lives. And once you know how you react, you can anticipate on your reaction and you can be that mirror for yourself eventually on, okay, this is how I normally react and this is how I would prefer to react. So I start alternating my breathing pattern to to calm my nervous system down, to become more parasympathetic and all of that. So so yeah, it's it's a big for me it's just it's just such a big mirror that I'm so happy to be able to use as a tool for life. Yeah. So how is that? Like, how do you use the Wim Hof breathing? What is that? So um, the Wim Hof method in general is consistent of three components. Of course, the cold, then the breathing and the mindset or commitment, as they sometimes say. So the cold is kind of quite self-explanatory, both cold showers, ice bath, mostly up to two minutes not longer than that for all the benefits uh, that needed, yeah, that come from being in the cold, from being in cryo. So you only need uh, two minutes. So when I was staying three minutes, I was actually just uh, freezing for a bit longer than necessary. <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing? Well, <laughs> well I think, I think if you, ex like, it's a measure that we play with. Yeah. I think two minutes is just a good general set. Like at two minutes is also for safety very good because your body cannot drop too much in temperature because you need to get used to these different stimuli. Your body needs to train itself again to have the veins go open and close and you have to work on your body to know how to yeah, work with a stressor like the cold properly. So two minutes is also just for safety for people to not uh, get too cold. Uh, three minutes is good though, though. Hmm? Really good. Really well done. Also so I, I was being part of the ice crew at the Grim Half event in London. So we awesome. saw, I think, was it 600, 800 people jump in, Get in through the entire day, old people and so on. And then I had to jump in. I was like, okay, if they can do it, I have to stay here long enough. And then after three minutes, I didn't have the, like, didn't really have the understanding of the time. I was like, haven't we been here for two minutes now? <laughs> And uh, the guy Victor and was like, like laughing like, yeah, you've been there three minutes now. I was like, okay, time to get off. <laughs> That's so awesome, dude. How did it feel for you? Amazing. So the, the feeling of, well, being part of the event and seeing how everyone could handle those two minutes, whether they were older, not in good shape and stuff like that really changed my mindset to being, okay, if, if, if they can do it, I can definitely do it as well. And for me, it was very much about just relaxing actually smiling yeah. as well relaxing and just kind of embracing it as weird as it mm. might sound but yeah embracing it and accepting that those weird feelings in your body are not going to kill you and then the feeling once yeah. you got up with the blood and so on and then i've tried it several times afterwards you kind of get high it, it sounds weird I, well, yeah. 
I've actually never tried to be high, to be honest. I've never smoked marijuana <laughs> or something like that, even though most people think that. So, uh, but I, <laughs> a different kind of high. Yeah, definitely. You feel that feel that rush um, definitely going on. But it's so cool what you say that this is something everybody can do. And I always say in my in my talks or in motivational stuff, I always say this is not my story. It's the story of the potential we all have within us because we all can create our own reality. We can all have this something that we we want to overcome. And then it seems impossible, but then we work towards it and all of a sudden it became a reality. And this is not just the Wim Hof method, but it's a tool in a toolbox. There are so many tools for you to achieve this mindset and achieve, achieve this switch. And kind of that's why I also am very interested in the whole science behind the Wim Hof method, because now in the in the latest study, which is brain over body, there is like this very, yeah, very cool short video about it. You should definitely link it for people listening to this. But it's this, they found out that Wim not just like changes his autoimmune response, but also activates a certain area in the brainstem called uh, paradoxal gray. And this is a very, very interesting area because it's the area of a descending tract down to your spinal cord. So it's sending information from your brain to your spine where it links on the level of the first order uh, receptor to inhibit pain. So it's releasing indigenous opioids and cannabinoids. Cannabinoids? Yeah. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but you know, <laughs> so it releases all like down regulation of pain on the level of the first order neuron receptor. So let's say you have a pain in your finger. There is one uh, neuro, like one axon that goes all the way down to your spinal cord. Then it links up with the second one going up to your spine, to the base of your brain. Then there is a third one going to different areas of your brain and sometimes a fourth one to where or what is being perceived. And it sends a signal down to that level of the first order neuron receptor to stop the pain right there. So it eventually, like less and less pain stimulation goes up to your brain. And I find that so fascinating that it's found that we can have control over these areas. And that kind of makes me think now about a story that I totally forgot to tell you. When I was here in the U.S. last year, I was roller skating in New York Park. And yeah, I just bought these roller skates and I fell and broke my wrist. So I didn't have anything on me. I didn't have my phone. I didn't have my passport. I didn't have money. And I just realized, okay, I was just walking there with my hand. And I realized it would take me an hour and a half to walk back to the hostel to get my passport. So I didn't want to call an ambulance because, you know, it's US and stuff. So I started doing the breathing and I started being very aware. And I kind of said to myself, okay, I know you're broken. I know there's pain, but I'm aware of it. So please kind of like stop sending me the signal. And I started doing the breathing. I started doing the breathing. And eventually I got some, some a, a bag of ice in Starbucks and just had it on my wrist, walking back to the hostel. Eventually I got to the hostel, picked up my passport, picked some money. And then I was like, okay, I can walk to the, to the hospital as well. So eventually I spent two and a half, three hours walking around with a broken wrist, just doing the breathing, the breathing, the breathing. And I wasn't, I was still, I was still aware that there was pain but it wasn't reaching me anymore. 
I surrender to the pain, just like you do in an ice bath. But the moment you surrender, the moment you acknowledge and surrender, your body stops freaking out. So mm-hmm. your body can be in this relaxed state of mind, even in an extreme environment. So even in an ice bath or even when you have a broken wrist or something else that you're going through, by focusing on the breath, by focusing on something internal, something you can control, you calm down the nervous system and you find that you can endure so much more than you think. So, yeah, that's that's a side note. <laughs> so how do you do the breathing? So uh, the, the Wim Hof method breathing is like 30 hyperventilations, like overventilation breath. So like, it's a little bit faster. Yeah. So the inhale is kind of forceful. The exhale is passive. So you breathe in deeply into your stomach, not into your chest. Yeah. So you want to breathe deep into your stomach and then just letting go. So that you do roughly 30, 40, 40 times. Then you breathe in, let go. And on that out breath, you hold your breath. So you breathe in, you sigh, letting go. And then you hold. And it's in that hold that everything calms down. You find yourself into this deeper meditational state and like just this this state of joy and well-being that's, yeah, just super fascinating to get to that state so quickly and so efficiently and consistently. So, yeah, then you when you feel the urge to breathe, you take a breath in. You hold that breath in for like 10, 15 seconds. So your CO2, O2 can rebalance and recalibrate. And then you start another cycle. You start this overventilation, hold, then have uh, this recovery breath, 10 seconds. And then you do this cycle like three or four times. And that's all. It's super simple, super efficient, and just for me, the most amazing thing is that stuff like this is now actually being backed up by real science and they're finding real results on what this does to the pH level in your blood, what this does to your CO2, O2 balance, your like all, everything. <laughs> like, there's so much to talk about here. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is amazing. So just summing up, it's breathing in through the nose. With your diaphragm or your yep. stomach, mm-hmm. breathing out, normally like... <sighs> like releasing, just yeah. releasing. It's not really forceful out breath, no. but just releasing the breath. Releasing the breath and not like blowing all the way out until all yeah. the air is out. It's just releasing. No. 30 to 40 times doing that, mm-hmm. then you hold your breath for as long as you can. And then yeah. once you're really out of air or you can't hold it any longer, that's yeah. when you breathe in again, hold that for 10 to 15 seconds, mm-hmm. and then you start over. 30 to 40 yeah. times, you do three rounds, three to four rounds. Takes mm-hmm. around 10 to 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah 10, 15. Of... Yeah, 15. It depends. Depends yeah. as well on your breath hold and on, yeah. Yeah, I was doing it this morning. I think it took me 12, 13 minutes this morning. So, oh, uh, nice. So, yeah. And you get better and better at holding your breath. And yeah, you might get I... a feeling like um, like your hands are kind of falling asleep. or Tingly. Like, tingly, yeah. That's perfectly normal. That's not the not you passing out. 
Yeah, I do want to say just a quick safety note. Because I'm a freediver, I always want to just have a disclaimer in that this is not the breathing I do before freediving. This is hyperventilation. Never, ever do that when you're near water. Uh, don't do it even when you're going to take an ice bath. Don't do the Wim Hof method before going into water. Don't do it behind the wheel like any wheel on your bike, on your whatever, just be smart about it. Do it in a safe environment. Do it in a meditative space. And because you can get lightheaded, just make sure there are like no sharp and pointy objects near you and just It's good to be do smart. sitting down or lying down. <laughs> yeah. But so you shouldn't do it before going into an ice bath. Like not not too short before into an ice bath because okay. when you get when you get into that state when you get a little bit lightheaded there is always going to be a chance of you losing your consciousness even for just one two seconds and that is something that you don't want to have happen in an ice bath because the body is super super smart like when you pass out just for a moment it automatically takes a breath and you don't want that breath to be in the water. So would it be so five most, minutes before, is that all right? Or two minutes before, like an hour before, what are we talking about? I, I normally just say 20, 30 minutes before. I Like the routine that I now have going is like do some type of breathing exercises. Some days it's Wim Hof method, some days it's other breathing exercises. And then I kind of go take my coffee, make my coffee, drink a little bit, and then go have either a cold shower or a cold bath or, yeah. That's so I, I kind of have a coffee break in, in yeah. between the Wim Hof method and, and the cold shower, but whatever, whatever, whatever fits, but just have a few minutes, maybe even better, have a few minutes of meditation after this practice. Like I normally, after a practice, I always sit down for a few minutes, just both appreciating just expressing gratitude for the practice, for me doing the practice, appreciating myself for showing up for myself and exp expressing gratitude for the day, expressing gratitude for all the aspects of my life and kind of just acknowledging and starting the day with a positive mindset. Makes sense. All right. So what other stuff do you do to keep your mind sane and be <laughs> happy, joyful? Is it just getting up, breathing? I guess um, you also focus on different things. So one thing is your physiology, I guess the words you're using and also what you focus on has a, has a big impact on, on you being such a joyful person. <laughs> well, I think there has been so much change in my life uh, recently. And I think all of that contributes to me overall being in a happier and healthier state than I've ever been before. And it's always a process of growing. It's a process of becoming, of becoming the best, best version of, our, of ourselves. And I kind of think that for me, a big impact was being able to shift my mindset. So how do you shift think, your mindset? So I think a lot of people listening to like, yeah, that sounds easy. but <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. It's a constant... For me, it's been a constant reminder of the person I want to become and shifting my mindset. I think the first of all, the ice bath just is the perfect mirror for it, like I already said, because when you step in there, your body freaks out and you have to relax in an extreme environment. So you learn how to calm down and you learn how to surrender to the forces of nature. And I always say like it started with me 
not being connected to myself, not being connected to the outer world, but finding a connection with nature. And that's what I found in the water, a connection to nature. But then slowly and surely, I realized that, wait, I'm part of nature. I'm as much nature as the water. I'm as much nature as the grass and the trees and, and everything outside. So I started eternalizing this connection and realized, but if I look at the mountains as beautiful nature and go hiking, that's, I am nature too. I'm nature as much as any other animal. So once I found that essence of nature within myself, I started to realize time and time again that I'm perfect the way I am. And I'm so connected to nature, even if I live in a city environment, because I am my own nature. There's, okay, grounding and connecting to nature is good. And I love hiking. I love being outside. But in the moments that we don't have that connection or we don't find that, we can look within ourselves and we can realize that every cell of our body is nature at its finest. And I think for me, that was one realization that really helped me further in life because through that as well, I started to realize if I'm nature, then every person around me is nature too. I honestly believe that nature is always good. There is no bad in nature. There is no evil, no, um, I don't know. These are all concepts of the human mind. And once I realized that, I think for the first time ever, I was able to look at people in a very different way. I kind of say like that insight gave me a mental upgrade because now I look at people and I can only see the nature within them, the good within them, even like this person who assaulted me, like this person who abused me. When I think about him now, I honestly, honestly feel nothing but compassion for him because for him to have rape, assault, and abuse as answer to life, he must be hurting pretty bad mm. because this is not something that you do when you're feeling good. This is not something that you do when you fully respect yourself. This is not something that you do when you had a perfect youth. So by realizing that and by realizing the good within that, I could only say, that I'm sorry for this person. I'm really honestly sorry that his life turned out this way for him to have this need of finding power and empowerment in abuse. So it's a whole different look on life. And then, of course, there's still moments where I get frustrated or angry, but these are not moments anymore where I hold on to. There are moments that I quickly realize, for example, if somebody cuts in line or frustrates me in some way, shape or form, it's not towards me. It's something within their personal life. It's something within their perception of life, a perception of everything around us. And I think once you get that distance, once you stop taking everything as a personal attack, then there's nothing to do but happy, happiness, being happy and just just enjoying life. And of course, there are still stressors about the future, about planning, about things. 
but instead of me ruminating about them, maybe I have a bad day. Okay, great. But then I can shift that and I can be like, okay, this is what's going on. I'm really focusing too much on a project that's way in the future that I'm not even can be worrying about because it's not set in stone yet. So I start to come back to myself more quicker, quicker and quicker. So from, for example, being in that state of mind for a week, a month, even a year, maybe a few years, I now shortening the time. So yes, I still have a bad day, maybe about two days, but normally not even longer than that, because I'm shifting myself back to an aware, present and conscious state of mind. If that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> And I think it's a super important point in also thinking about when someone cut in line and stuff like that. Or people do something bad to you, it's they are really not in balance. And I think yeah. once you can change that perspective and think about that as well, it becomes yeah. much easier to be relaxed and happy because you don't get frustrated over as many things because you realize that people doing that kind of stuff, well, Yeah. They're really having a really bad time. Yeah, and it's almost, I kind of see it as most of the time it's also not them. Yeah. It's a pattern. It's a pattern and loop they got stuck in when they, it's something that they are taught when they grew up or these are all the patterns that are not us, but they're thought to us. So they become wired in our brain. And yes, things like the Wim Hof Method, ice bath, meditation, or Anything that could help you, they are able to rewire your brain in a totally new way and in a totally different way of perceiving life. And I think, yeah, the most important thing as well to mention is there is a big difference between understanding and accepting it in your life. Like this, what I'm saying here right now doesn't mean that you just have to forgive persons for uh, people for being shitty to you. No, you can set those boundaries and you can still accept them in their behavior and still say like, but that's not really the feedback that I want in my life at the moment. And once you set those boundaries, you do notice that more and more people that you set those boundaries for, they move away in your life and the more positive people come in. So who said this? You're the sum of the five people you hang out with most, right? I don't, I don't remember who said that, but somebody important. Yeah. <laughs> But you change, you change the people that you connect with to a more real and more authentic and more aware and conscious connection. Not saying that you just to shrug off everybody that doesn't serve you, but you can be aware about their patterns. And even though they might not be aware about them, you can be compassionate towards how some things in their lives formed their behavior, formed their thoughts and Don't try to change them because that's not up to you, but just allow that thought process for yourself and that boundary for yourself rather than trying to change the other person. Because it's a lot easier to be like, oh, you should stop doing this, even though like you should stop thinking this rather than be like, why does it frustrate me even when this other person has this behavior and really internalize what's happening within, within you. And yeah, I think all of that kind of realization brought me into an overall happier state, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> And now you also help some athletes utilizing softer stuff. 
yeah. I think you've been in Boston right now working with an athlete. Yeah, so we've been, uh, it's now two weeks ago. No, yeah, two weeks ago, we were working with an elite athlete who is a ugh, this amazing guy, um, Mauricio Salazar. And I hope that I pronounced his name right. <laughs> but yeah, he's an ultra man, like ultra runner, like just an awesome human being. He set this, when he went was 35, he set this five challenges for himself and one of it is he did an Ultraman. The other was he swam a very long distance between two islands in Spain. And then he rode a thousand kilometers on his bike, which took him like 54, hour, uh, 54 hours nonstop riding bike. So crazy human. And his fourth challenge is doing a triathlon in Antarctica. So, yeah, we've been he kind of came to us, I partnered up with a guy, a, another Wim Hof Method instructor here in Boston. So together we taught him about the Wim Hof Method, about cold, but also about mindset, breathing mechanics and all of that kind of stuff. So he came to us, uh, he went to a week training in Poland, but never swam in cold water. He just submerged himself being still. And that is a lot easier because you keep, can keep your heart rate down, you can keep more focus. So he came to us with kind of the question of like, okay, how do I start swimming? Because I want to swim 1K in Antarctica by the end of December. So on the first day, we kind of just went in for a dip for him to recalibrate and adjust to the cold. And on the second day, we just told him to swim to a buoy and back. And I was just there with him, alongside of him, and swimming next yeah, to him or in a boat? No, 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 swimming. <laughs> <laughs> swimming, swimming. And yeah, we just did it together, kind of motivating him along the way. Immediately realized, for example, breathing patterns, all that kind of stuff. So he swam and it was roughly a little bit under 200 meters. Then he had a recovery time of getting back his, his temperature and back to his normal state of feeling okay for an hour and a half. So it took him an hour and a half to recover from a 200-meter swim. And how do you recover? Uh, do you get some warm clothes um, on, or are you just sitting in the cold? Well, we did. We did for like 20 minutes with its movement outside, kind of heating the body up slowly. You don't want to just rush into a hot environment. You want to keep slowly. So when you get into the cold, I told you before, the body is very smart. It constricts the veins around your extremities. So the core and the vital organs stay warm. Then when you start warming up again, those veins slowly open and the cold blood, because the blood in your extremities cools down, the cold blood starts mixing with the warm core of the blood. So what happens when you go into a really hot environment straight away after being in the cold for a prolonged period of time, those veins pop open and the cold blood rushes into your core. And that's called afterdrop because it can drop your overall core temperature dangerously low. So that's why it's very important to always, when you come out of the water, just take a little moment to move around and start warming your body naturally. Yeah. So that's what we did. And yeah, then we just went inside. And so just to clarify, when you're doing yeah. a sauna goose, where you jump into cold water, water you don't need to wait a lot of minutes before you get in again. But it's when you're in the cold for more than two minutes or like more than five yes. to ten minutes. 
Yeah, there is, especially uh, in Nordic countries, the tradition of like jump, jumping in the cold water and then sauna, which is very, very good because you're still training those veins to open and close, vasodilation, vasoconstriction, super healthy, super good for the body. It's like a workout for your veins and, and systems like that. Um, so, but yeah, when you're in the cold for a prolonged period of time, the blood in your extremities cools down. Yeah. So then you just want to slowly warm up again. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. All right, so that was the yeah. first swim he did. Yeah, so and then we started focusing on his breathing pattern. And especially because he's swimming, not the Wim Hof method, but regulating his breath. Because when you're in the cold, when you're in a stressful environment, especially for a prolonged period of time, breathing can get very, I would say, messy. Because sometimes the body forgets to breathe because you're in this pure fight or flight. So I would see him swim and then... There would be, sometimes it was consistent, so one breath, three strokes, one breath, three, two or three strokes. But then sometimes it was, he wasn't breathing for four or five strokes and then tried to take three breaths into one stroke. So it was creating this awareness around his breathing pattern, his reaction to the cold, and most importantly, the mind-body connection. Like, I kind of always say, the body whispers before it screams. And when you're in an extreme environment, you want to tune into the whispers. You don't want to have your body scream because when your body starts screaming, you get this distorted breathing pattern. You get this reaction. You want to see like, oh, okay, I feel the cold in my fingers now. Acknowledge that cold and be like, okay, I know what it is. My body doesn't need to scream for this because I'm putting myself in this environment. I know what's going to happen. I know that it's the constriction of my veins. And you create this awareness about every small detail that is shifting in your body. So eventually you can really, instead of having this painful stimulus going into your body, you can see, okay, this is the, this is the feeling of the veins constricting. This is the feeling of, yeah, my uh, shoulder tensing up because of the swimming. So you start noticing smaller and smaller details. And when you acknowledge and, no, and like notice them, the big stimulus, the big stressor doesn't have to come because you're already acknowledging and anticipating on these smaller things. So that was one thing that we trained him on. Second thing, and I think for me, 80% of my training, visualization. When you start noticing these shifts in your body, you can use them for visualization. You can use them to go and rehearse a swim outside by just sitting, meditating and thinking about every single step you're going to take. How are you going to leave the house? Which towel are you going to bring? What's the color of your swimsuit? Focus on all of these single aspects. So when you eventually do those things, your mind has already gone over it a thousand times. I always say, prepare for the worst. You want to mentally go over every single aspect that could go wrong. So what happens if your goggles are leaking? You, what happens if you get a cramp in your arm? What happens if you cannot move your leg or maybe you get entangled on the rope that you swim with? So I kind of always say prime for the worst and train for the worst because you want to, having gone through all of these these patterns in your thoughts so you can find solutions for everything. So what happens if you have a cramp? Do you know how to swim with the other three limbs that you have? So if you think you can do that, then go out and in the water and test this. Test how it feels. 
and kind of show in that way, you get the mental confidence, but also the cues to your brain that this is something that's possible, even if things go wrong. Yeah, we worked with him on a lot of visualization, on getting to know his body better, getting to know the stimuli of the cold, and then also just breathing, diaphragmatic awareness, because it's very easy when you go into the cold, <gasps> get stuck in your chest breathing. So how do you shift from chest breathing then back to diaphragmatic and relaxation state? Because you don't want to be activating your sympathetic nervous system too much. You want to stay as parasympathetic as possible, to stay as relaxed and as controlled as you can. So we worked with him on all these kind of things from doing stretches to his diaphragm to just mental and yeah, physically the cold. So within just five days, we got him from the 200 meters, an hour and a half recovery, to then on the last day, he swam 750 meters, but most importantly, with only 30 minutes recovery. So he recovered super, super quick. And that was also something very important to him because when he's doing a triathlon, he needs to warm up as quickly as possible because when he comes out of the water, he needs to jump on a bike. Well, for that, he needs the movement in his hands. So how do you recover these things as quickly as possible for him to be able to go to the next challenge? So, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to last week. <laughs> cool. So just something, where is he going to bike? Is there like a long road that he can bike on straight after? Or is he going to bike on some ice or that might be a yeah. dumb question? No, probably on some ice. The details on location are not exactly set out yet. There, I think there are a few options of him being able to join either yeah different ship or fly in so according to that it differs uh, differs to where exactly it's going to be so yeah there there are a few few invariables like there cool but so this can also be kind of dangerous yes of course it can be dangerous you almost died once yeah <laughs> that's being kind of dangerous what yeah. happened there well, I think most importantly is that moment I was not able to fully focus. We, I was, I was asked to to play a, a part in a short movie that um, was shot in Norway in yeah autumn wintry times. So it was already pretty cold outside. Water temperature was seven on the surface and four degrees on the bottom, but. For the clip, for the movie, I had to walk underwater. And if you've ever been underwater, walking underwater is extremely difficult. So what they did is they weighted me down with six kilos of lead. So my walking would look more natural. So I couldn't go up on my own because I was weighted down by six kilos that were hidden in my clothing. So I could not go up whenever I thought I needed a breath. Yeah, I was in this extreme environment, in the cold, when the moment I took a breath, I just immediately dropped down like a rock. Then I was on the bottom, needed to take off my glasses so I couldn't see anything. And then I needed to think about what the director told me to act. So even if that was just take three steps and then there is going to be a tree on your left or right hand side, touch the tree and hold it. Like there was so much mental processing going on that I wasn't focused on my own core temperature. Then keeping in mind that we were shooting in the water for four, five times a day. So it was in the water for 20 minutes, 
uh, yeah, 10 to 20 minutes, depending on, on how it went, then I would get out, have to warm up, have to dry my clothes, then to get back out again, do it all over again, again and again and again. We did that for five days straight. So on the last day, my body was already exhausted, of course. Uh, luckily, I mean, luckily I got to know the safety diver a little bit. The first two days were extremely hard because my safety diver that I had to really fully transmit on live because if I signal to him, I want to go up, he would be the person to come get me and actually bring me to the surface. So what happened... And he had a way to run. Or a dry suit. Well, like, or was he also no, just no, in no, 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 it was just in a jeans. Yeah, it was in, in a jeans and a top. He was so, a doer. No, no, no. He was in he was in a dry suit. Yeah, that's what I mean. So he yeah, was yeah, 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 definitely. No, 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 definitely dry suit. Everybody was in dry suit. So yeah, on the last shot of the day, I remember already being so extremely cold before getting in. I knew my body was already extremely cold and I was aware of that. But I was like, it's mine of a matter. And it's the last shot. It's after this, we're done. So... I was, I just remember taking a big breath and just going under and realizing, just thinking, wow, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. And I totally forgot that I was underwater. I totally forgot that I was in this cold environment and I was just thinking, wow, this is so pretty. So what happened is that I just stayed down. I just totally forgot. I don't like, I just stayed on the water and then eventually I kind of, I don't remember if they came to pick me up or I did manage to go up on my own. But even then, they decided to do one more shot, which was close to the surface. But the moment I came out of that, well, the, the first, the most important thing to say is at that stage, I didn't know anymore how I was doing. I was I was mentally not there anymore. So they just told me, oh, we have to get that, that other shot. And I was just, I don't think it even reacted to that. Uh, we just did it. But then they pulled me out of the water and I, I was passed out. I passed out. And they tried to rush me onto the land, which they did very, very quickly. I'm so thankful for them being able to react so efficiently and so quickly. But they got me onto the land and uh, the only thing I remember saying was, oh, the ground is so warm. Just let me lay here for a little bit. And this, the last shot was done at nighttime, wintertime, Norway. So the floor was nothing near warm. Mm. But it felt so warm to me that I just was like, just let me rest here. Just let me lay down. But luckily they realized that I was in really bad shape. So they rushed me into, into the Airbnb where we were staying. And they put me under a lukewarm shower for the reasons, like I just mentioned before, you should never put too much hot water. So they put like just lukewarm, like not too cold, not too warm on my body. But still, that's when I had a massive after drop. And there's almost no way I can describe the feeling, but the cold blood from my extremities mixed with the warm blood in my core and I can only describe it like I never, like you never feel your heart. But 
there was cold blood going into my heart on one side and I could just feel the difference between the heart chambers and I could feel the cold blood going through and I could feel like exactly where my blood was going. So my core temperature was dangerously low. And I also remember just being there, only being able to say to myself, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Because I was convincing myself that it was going to be okay because I had no idea how I'm doing. And then, yeah, I uh, sat under the shower for a while. Um, the pain was incruciate. Like it was so much pain and it's a weird, it's a different type of pain. It's a pain you can't really describe, but there was this whole shock in my body and like I started having difficulty breathing because everything was so cold. Everything in my chest kind of, yeah, um, constricted, con felt constricted. Um, so I started having a bit of trouble breathing. And then, uh, yeah, it took me, I think, about two, three hours under the shower to be able to to stand up again and like to to just move. And then I just laid under a whole layer of blankets, being exhausted because my body used so much energy and so many resources that I just was so exhausted and so tired. And I mean, by this time I was talking again, I was just speaking and, and kind of back to functioning normal. But it took me took me a while to actually get my body back to function correctly and to function in a normal way again and feeling warm and I think also to after that be able to step into the cold water again for the mm -hmm. first time was was a big shock I kind of had to learn how to to redo what I do so yeah that was a interesting learning curve <laughs> so take away don't jump five days in a row with jeans and a t-shirt <laughs> no, several times a day and not I think being able to feel yourself in the end. Stay focused Yeah, and stay focused, stay connected. And now I should have known, I should have gone for that last dive, but I felt so much pressure from the team and the people yeah. we were working with and that I stopped listening to my own body. And now I have that experience. I would never, ever do that again. I would always be like, when I'm not feeling 100%, I'm not going in, go into the water. So it's an experience. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to follow you after this, Kiki, or get in contact with you, where can they find you? Um, I am on Instagram uh, under Kiki Bosch. Yeah. I have a website, um, one from my business called disturbthecomfort.com. One for my personal um, upgrade updates and whatever I'm up to, kikibosh.com, so very easy. And, I mean, people can email me. Is that still a thing? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah, so no, every every other thing, it's uh, found on either of the websites. So either the business website, Disturb the Comfort, or my personal one has all the details about how to get in touch and increase and, and trainings and all of that kind of stuff, so... Perfect. I'll make sure to put in the show notes as well. So it's easy for people to find. Awesome. Perfect. Before we round off, one to three final advice. It might be something that you've been saying already, but... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> probably. 
repetition is always cool. So, yeah, I think the first one is, yeah, focus on yourself always. Uh, focus on both how you can improve and how you're doing internally, externally, all of that. Always focus on yourself. Then second, compassion compassion for everything and everybody around you, compassion for for all animals, non-human, human, you know, for just the world around you as a whole. And the third one is, I don't know how to word this, I think, um, know how much potential you have within yourself. Know how much you, potential you have to overcome and create your own reality, to create your own way of thinking, your own way of believing. So, just realize your potential. That's it. Like realize how powerful you are. Perfect. <laughs> Kiki, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure, inspiration. It's great to see someone going out of something hard, taking something positive, spreading a lot of love, making sure and helping people around the world. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.